Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. And uh, this, this morning, we're going uh, to be taking a look at the, um, at the life of Elisha. And uh, my hope today would be to inspire your, your faith just a little bit. Is that all right? Because we've all been given a measure of faith, right? So today, I, I, I want to help you, uh, no matter where you are, no matter how broken you feel that you are or have been, or no matter what's uh, potentially hurt you or come to try to make you stop, I believe the Lord wants to speak to us today and inspire that, that faith that is within all of us. Somebody shout faith. Faith. I just want to speak to you for the next little bit from this title, Cut the Rope. Cut the Rope. And I'll let you be seated. I'll get to my text here shortly, but uh, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19 if you want to get a head start. Amen. Faith. Faith. It's actually, uh, the Bible lets us know this, that it is, um, it's impossible to please God without it, without faith. It's impossible to be saved without it. But there are, there are many today that are, are lacking in this very simple word, faith. And, and there, are, there are people that really don't think that it's a big deal, right, what level you're at. You know, there are some that are perfectly fine with having uh, faith that is tame, faith that is reserved. But the problem with that is, is we look in the Bible and the, the characters that we read about and we preach about, they didn't have little faith. We talk about people like David and, and Paul and John having, having faith that was, uh, that was reserved and quiet. They didn't, they didn't have anything like that. We talk about people who walked on water when there was nothing there to say that they would be able to stand. Amen. We talk about, we talk about young men that went up to giants that an entire country was scared to go against, and he took five stones and a slingshot and defeated them, and it was crazy until it happened. And that, I believe there are some things that God has on the inside of us that, that right now, if you said them out loud, people might look at you funny. Right, people might look at you across and be like, "Man, are you sure that sounds a little bit crazy?" Until it happens. How many have a cell phone in here today? Probably hundred percent, right? If not, Lord have mercy. I don't even know what. But that that thing that you talk on that that you were messaging people on the way to church today, and or maybe you're even taking notes on it this morning, was completely crazy forty years ago. Now you will hurt somebody if you lose your cell phone. You will lose your mind because you can't find your cell phone and not you will lose sleep over it. Why? Because a device that was not even in anybody's imagination has become so a part of our everyday life. But at one point, if somebody would have said, I want to create this plastic device that I can be able to talk to somebody all the way on the other side of the world, that was a crazy idea. Think about how crazy that sounded in 1985. 
But right now, it is our reality because somebody had the faith to start from right where they're at and do something about it. And I believe this morning that, that God wants to stir something up on the inside of us that, that is about to tap into the future of what God has for us, uh, that, that is allowing us to be right here in this moment and to be able to take steps of faith right from where you are. I have one goal and one purpose only. That is to allow the teaching of God's word to build your faith, to give you a radical, or dare I say, ridiculous amount of faith. You say ridiculous, you know, some of you are older than 40, as Pastor has already said this morning. Uh, if you're a little bit old school, right, ridiculous, uh, it's actually good, right? In a sense, it is funny that, that there are these words that are backwards nowadays that have the opposite meaning. I mean, they mean the opposite that they used to. Have you noticed that? Like, bad used to mean bad. Now, bad means good, right? Man, that thing is bad. Like, you look at somebody's heart, that thing is bad to the bone. You know, bad can mean good or sick. You know, if you have kids, you hear this a lot, that is sick. You know, sick means, like, I'm not coming to church. Like, I'm throwing up at home. This is not a good day. But sick is now cool, right? And ridiculous is the same way. So when I say ridiculous faith, it just means in, in an outlandish manner. It's not a bad thing, but, but now, you know, you know if, 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 if cake is really good, that cake is ridiculous, man. Like, if you had tried this restaurant, that restaurant is ridiculous. So, so again, um, we're looking for that. What I'm, what I'm talking to us about is having an amount of faith that is just radical, right? It's outlandish. So, again, we're going to be looking at the life of Elisha and... Um, let me give you a little bit of context for you. First uh, Kings, again, chapter 19, and we're going to talk about who he was, and then we'll, we'll look at it, and then we'll dive in. But there was a guy by the name of Elijah, and, uh, you know, some people get the two confused, Elisha, Elijah. Um, Elijah was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament, bold, daring, full of faith. And Elisha, he wanted to be just like Elijah. He wanted to be as bold as he was, as, as radical as he was. He asked for even a double portion of Elijah's anointing, and God, in his sovereign will, gave it to him, who, who, who gave it to Elisha, who studied under Elijah a double portion of this anointing. And Elisha, actually, if you look into it, he performed more recorded miracles in Scripture than anyone else with the exception of Jesus Christ. And what's interesting about this man is that he was a very ordinary guy. He, I, I find that fascinating about a lot of the characters of the Bible, right? There are a lot of ordinary people. When you think about a prophet with the, that had the stature of Elisha, and you hear many sermons on Elisha, this guy was very ordinary. He wasn't the son of some priest. He didn't have the royal pedigree. He wasn't like some outward spiritual giant. He was an ordinary guy living at home with his parents, working on a farm when God called him to do something incredible. Now, the context is he lived during the 9th century B.C. in a time when Israel was divided. So there's great tension going on. Many people were worshiping 
uh, the false god of Baal, and God raises up this ordinary guy and does something extraordinary through his life. So 1 Kings chapter 19, and I'm going to read a few verses here, uh, verses 19 through 21. The Bible says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his mantle around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah, said, Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will come with you. And Elijah replied, Go back. What have I done to you? And so Elisha left him and went back, and he took his yoke of oxen. And this, is, this is crazy. He slaughtered them. And it gets even more radical. He burned the plow and equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate it. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. I specifically want to look this morning at these verses and and really kind of showcase a, a radical commitment from this prophet. Look again at verse number 19 in uh, the middle of the verse where it tells us what he, what he was doing. Scripture says that Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. What you'll notice here is, it, and, and what you'll notice is he was doing the same job that he had been doing for a long time. He was working on his parents' farm, and he was driving the yoke of oxen. Think with me for a moment about the monotony of what it would be like to plow behind of a yoke of oxen every single day. Every single day. And I'm a big guy of like putting yourself in the shoes of the, the other person. And a lot of times when I read the Bible, try to insert myself, even though it's, it's not really about me, right? And so I try to insert myself and think, what would that be like? What would that look like? Could you imagine being behind 12 yoke of oxen every single day? Can you imagine the smell every single day? Not really pleasant, right? I've been around my fair share of farms on uh, some hot summer days. And, 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 and that alone let me know that I am on the right career path that I am on currently. Come on, somebody. And so, Elisha, every day, it was the same thing. It was the same field. It was the same smell. Think about that scene every single day behind the plow. You're walking behind oxen. What a scenery this is. This ain't the corner office that's overlooking the mountains and the ocean. This is his scenery every single day. Once a week, was it, what was it? You know, once a week, that's fine. But every single day, not ideal in the slightest. You're walking behind these oxen. And some of you, you can relate a little bit to Elisha. No, you're not out there plowing a field with live animals. But you're doing the same thing day in and day out. And guess what? It gets really monotonous. You're doing the same job. 
You're working with the same people. You're having the same lunch. Some of you are so routine like that. You eat the same thing every single day. And if you've ever, if you've ever worked in sales, you, you know what it can easily be like this. Just day in and day out, you make your quota and it starts all over again. Okay? You hit your numbers, it starts all over again. And I know this to be true. The last day of the month in sales is the most exciting day whenever you're trying to close out the month and see where you're finished. But And it's right up against the so-called finish only to start up the very next day. In sales, the, 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 the only great thing is it was if the last day of the month falls on a Friday. If it falls on a Tuesday, it just kills the rest of your week because it feels like a Friday. But the... But maybe you can relate to Elisha in that, that this is so monotonous. All I ever do is try to live up to some standard, and then it starts over again. I think about students, and we just had some students that went back to Bible college. You know, what do they do? It's like, what do I do? I study, and I work to pay the bills, and I study some more, and I work to pay the bills. I study, and I work, plowing the same field every day. Those of you who are parents, what do you see all day long? Diapers, laundry, dishes, laundry, diapers, dishes. And you start to think it's incredibly easy to lose your passion when all you see is the same field behind the same plow all day long. And this is where Elisha was. But I want you to notice, Elisha was being faithful in the task at hand. And I believe with all of my heart that God loves to reward those who are faithful in the small things. When you're faithful with the little, God can trust you with much. And Elisha even though it might not have been his favorite thing to do, even though it could have been incredibly draining physically, emotionally, this man was faithful. And success favors the prepared, and guess where that preparation comes from? It comes from your day-to-day. And in the middle of his faithful daily routine, God sends something new to take him from where he was into an amazing place of impact. Verse 19, the end of the verse says this, that Elijah, this was a great man of God that Elisha would have looked up to at the time. It says that Elijah went up to him and threw his mantle around him. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, his mantle would have been kind of like a a, a coat that was made of animal skin or fur. This was his covering. And there's a whole, we could spend a whole hour talking about the mantle alone, but essentially what Elijah did was he took his covering and he put it on Elisha and basically symbolically saying, that which has covered me will now cover you. That which was the mantle on me will now be the mantle on you. That which I was under you will now be under. You will be my student and I'll be your mentor. And God, what God has been working through me, now God is going to work through you. And the Bible says that he put his mantle 
or he put his covering over Elisha. Now, I want to apply this story to your life and show you just a couple principles of radical commitment and watch how this ordinary man, man, don't lose sight of that. This ordinary man becomes an extraordinary individual because he responds to an extraordinary call. The first thought is this. God is going to call him to follow Elijah, and, and, and he's not going to know all of the details. So my first thought, first principle I want to share with you is you don't have to understand fully in order to obey immediately. When God calls you to do something, you don't have to understand all the details in order to obey right away. You don't have to understand it and comprehend it fully. In fact, more times than not, you're, you're not going to have any clue of what's going on. But I want you to notice this. He didn't pray about it. I know that's risky saying it right here. Bryce, did you really just say that? Yes, he didn't pray about it. He didn't have to sit down and do a list of pros and cons. Here's the reasons why I should. Here's the reasons why I shouldn't. He didn't have to consult his counselor. All he did was say, God, I believe that you're in this. I don't know the details, but since I know you're in on this, I will obey immediately. Church, you don't have to understand fully in order to obey right away. Now, if I can just take you down a quick rabbit trail down a a, a, a leadership thought. And I, I, want to, I, I want to give this to you because this could apply to some of you in, in your life as, as leaders. And I believe as Christians, we're all leaders. Amen. But a popular interview question that you will hear is, hey, what is your, what is your five-year plan? What is your five-year plan? I remember hearing that in an interview when I was probably 19 or 20 years old. And honestly, it's the first time I'd ever heard it in all my life. Probably say, it's a shame. What high school did you go to? But, but I, didn't, I don't remember hearing it. They probably mentioned it in some classes. But I remember just sitting there stunned like, I don't have a five-year plan. <laughs> like, I have no idea what I'm doing tomorrow. Okay? But as a 19, 20-year-old kid, a lot of times that's where you're at, right? But that's a popular interview question. Hey, what's your five-year plan? What is it? And I'm not against those, those questions. I love to be um, strategic. This, my, my current job in, takes a lot of strategic thinking, a lot of foresight, and, 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 and I'm forced being stra uh, for strategizing and all those good things, especially when it comes to the future. I think it's wise to think ahead, right? I think it's wise to be on your tiptoes and looking at what's coming over the horizon. But here's, here's my, uh, my issue. The world that you and I live in today is changing so rapidly. And with so much change, there is no way for us to really project ahead five years, especially when you consider the spiritual side. And I, I think we can all agree to that. So I'm not saying, you know, don't plan for the future absolutely put some thought into it. But what I would propose to you is to plan 
and prepare yourself to respond in the present. In, in my line of work, I, I work with a lot of individuals and teams of people that are supply chain professionals and procurement professionals. And one of the things that we've all learned during COVID is how resilient companies need to be, how resilient supply chains need to be. Anybody still waiting on a package from 2021 or 2022? All right. Why do why did they need to build in some resiliency? Why did they need to manage some risk that's in the supply chain? Here's why. Because unexpected situations are bound to happen. And guess what? Companies got to be able to pivot. They got to be able to respond right in the present. So plan to respond in the present. What are you saying, Bryce? We want to immediately be able to respond to the voice of God, to the opportunities that you and I are not smart enough to predict on our own. I think this church has done an amazing job of having some margins built in that enable us to seize opportunities that we did not plan for. And I want, I think you want the same thing. I want margin built into our church, margin built into our time, and margin built into our homes so that we can jump on divine opportunities again that we're not smart enough to predict. I don't know how this would speak to you, but I believe with all my heart that if you will get in a posture of spiritual readiness, you can't, you can't plan what God's going to do a year from now. But hear me, if you're ready, you can obey immediately, even if we don't understand what's going on. We got to be ready and willing to say yes immediately. And here's the way God will lead you. You ready for this? God will rarely give you the details. For those planners that are out there, I'm sorry. That is heartbreaking, right? For those of you, I got to know what my day looks like. I got to know what my week looks like. What are we doing in December, Bryce? What is happening? For those of you who, who love the plan, God rarely, rarely gives you the details. I believe God is often strategically vague in his directions. You want details, and I believe God would look at us often and say, you can't handle the details. If, if God's like, if I showed you everything, you probably wouldn't show up. So guess what he does? Here's his strategy. I'm just going to show you the next step. And boy, have we been on this journey for a while now of step by step, just letting the Lord lead us. But that's what it is. There's not a lot of details, right? God often will guide you. Here's how God will often guide you with just one word. And I love the power of this. Just one word is sometimes all that God will give you. One word. Please, please hear me. And that one word needs to be enough. It needs to be enough. One word needs to be enough in order for us to go on. You look in the Old Testament, whenever God was giving Moses direction, you could summarize the directions with one word. You know what it was? 
Moses, go. 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 Abraham, go. Go. Go to the land I will show you. You go to the New Testament, you look at Peter, Peter, Jesus, there's Jesus walking on the water. Peter was like, hey, that's ridiculous. Like this guy over here is walking on water. Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. You know what the one word was? Come. Peter's like, oh, snap. (laughs) Now I got to do something. Just one word. What was the one word? Come, one word. God, I don't know the details, but I'll follow you. I'll step out on what I don't know and what I'm uncertain about, and I'll follow you. I'll obey. Some of you, you may hear one word from God. One word. And I don't know what it will be, but in your walk with God, you might be struggling right now. I, I, I don't know. I know we're all on, we're all headed somewhere, but we all walk separate journeys, right? And it looks slightly different one from the other but maybe you're struggling right now in your walk and you're thinking maybe about cashing it in and you need to hear one word and maybe that one word is simply stay maybe God doesn't give you all the details right but you don't have to have them all you don't have to understand completely in order to obey God immediately guess what you just stay you just stay some of you, you might have a health situation and maybe it doesn't look good, right? Or, 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 and maybe there's something going on. Maybe it's for someone you love and God gives you just one word and that one word is trust. And guess what? You hang on to that one word and you obey God. Some of you, maybe you've got an idea, maybe some business idea or a ministry idea and you're like, how and when and how am I going to pay for it and I don't understand and maybe God gives you one word and maybe that one word is start maybe you don't have to understand everything in order to start right where you are some of you you've been hanging around here for a while maybe and you're 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 kind of you know in a place where you know you're starting to grow with God but maybe you're still kind of just observing and just kind of looking at everything that's going on God may give you just one word and that one word might be commit guess what commit unto him give him your heart you don't have to just sit back and watch what God is doing you can get involved you can be a part of it commit Amen. You don't have to understand everything in order to take the next step. You don't have to understand everything. In fact, a lot of times you're going to have no clue at what God is doing. And and some of you, again, God leads with one word, one word from God. He speaks one word and you're going to be crazy enough. You're going to be radical enough to say, I don't know all the details, but I don't have to understand everything in order for me to obey God right away. And hear me, you want to be prepared to say yes immediately when God speaks to you. The second thought that I'd love to share with you is this, that those that God uses the most are the ones that hold on to the least. I believe this is going to speak to somebody. Those that God uses the most are the ones who hold on, who hold on to the least. Watch what Elisha does in verse 21. The Bible says, So Elisha left him and went back, and he took his yoke of oxen. Okay, these were the animals that did what? They brought about his livelihood. 
And what does the Bible say that he did with the oxen? The Bible says that he slaughtered them. Then what did he do with the plows? Scripture says that he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. He made a bonfire out of the plowing equipment, cooked steaks for his buddies. Then he sets out to follow Elijah and he became his servant. You look at that and you think that's ridiculous. Why would he do that? You read that and you're like, that is wild. But here's Elisha. Hey, God is calling me to go. God is calling me to follow this prophet, become a prophet, become like him, maybe even greater than him. So what do I do? I kill the cows and I burn all the plows. That's what I do. That's wild. That's radical. Now, you can kind of see kill the cows, right? You can understand that. Because why? Symbolically, whenever God did something, people would make what? A sacrifice. Like when the prodigal son came back to the father, the father kills the fatted calf. Hey, how do you like yours? Medium rare? You know, you know whatever. It doesn't matter. Let's party, right? Let's have a party. You can see, you can kind of see that, the killing of the cows, but then he goes, burn the plows? It's almost like he's saying, I'm burning plan B. There is no plan B. There is only obey God. There is only plan A. And I've just got to tell you, as a dad, as a dad, if my kids come home with that plan, I'm kind of saying, hey, you know, wait, just slow down for a second, buddy. Um, I, I, I love this. This is a great idea. I love your passion, and I love, you know, I, I'm proud of your faith and everything, friend, and, and go serve God. Yes, you know, uh, but let's keep our options open just a little bit. You know, let's, let's not do anything outlandish, right? That's what we're doing as parents. I mean, honestly, what I'm thinking is let's use our minds here, okay? Let's, let's use common sense here, you know. Go follow God. But keep, keep the plows, keep, keep all the cows because you never know, you might, you might need them. You might need to use them. Things may not work out out there and you may need to come back and you're going to have to have these. But what you're going to see in Scripture is there are often times when people are so moved by God that they do radical things to follow him. When Jesus encountered Peter for the first time in Luke chapter 5, Peter was having a bad fishing day. And Jesus comes up and he says, throw your nets on the other side. And Peter's like, who are you? You don't, you don't know what you're talking about, man. And Jesus says, just do it. And he did it and caught so many fish that the nets started breaking. And he's like, whoa. Who are you? This is amazing. I'm a sinful man. You are the Lord and all this stuff. And Jesus looked at him and said, hey, from now on, you don't have to just catch fish. Now you can fish for people. You can be a fisher of men. And the scripture says something that is just as crazy as burn the plows and kill all of the oxen. The Bible says that the disciples left everything. 
They left it all. And I know we can read that in Scripture and so easily jump over it to the next verse. But you contextualize that to your life. Leave my job? You know, I trained for this. I got a, I got a major in college for this. You know, leave my comfort, leave my family, leave my neighborhood, leave it all. They left everything to follow Him. And I believe there are some that God is going to speak to you at some time and give you a plow-burning faith. And let me just say, and I want to qualify here, make sure it is God speaking to you. And not last night's pizza. Okay? Let's, let's make sure it's God. Okay, before we play the God card, I, I hate when people play the God card. Well, God, God spoke to me. Well, then why are you talking to me? Because if I, I, I don't agree with you, I'm not going to just come right out against you. You said God said. Let's, let's make sure God says it. Okay? I, I don't want any of us to go, you know, tomorrow I'm sick of my job and we go and I'm sick of this place and we just burn the whole building down. Okay? That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you know that you know that you know that God is calling you to leave where you are and go. He wants you to go. There's sometimes when you're so convinced that you just burn the bridge back because you're not turning back this time. Why? Because something has happened in your life and you're never going to be the same and you can't go back because God is calling you forward. There are some of you, God is going to give you that kind of faith where deep within you're willing to do whatever it takes in order to follow him to the next place. I don't know what it looks like for you. Maybe there are some things that you need to burn in your life. Maybe there are some plows that you need to get rid of, right? Maybe you need to burn a plow right now. Maybe you need to just move forward and press forward. I don't know what it would be in your life, but if there is anything keeping you from serving God, burn it down and move forward in Him. Have that kind of faith that no matter where you go, He promised to never leave you nor forsake you if there's a sin holding you back burn it down if there is a doubt in your life burn the plow if there's a relationship that is holding you back somebody you got to burn it down don't let anything keep you from following God and him and his perfect will because again you don't have to understand it in order to obey those that God uses the most are those who hold on to the least. I'll ask our music to come. There are some that are holding on to something. And what are the things that we hold on to, church? What are they? There are things that make us secure. They are things that bring about such safety and comfort. But I don't, I want to say this, that to step towards your destiny, you often have to step away from security. 
God is going to speak to somebody and give you the faith to believe that he's calling you to something new. Because you may be looking at the same oxen and the same plow today, but in your faithfulness, God may call you to do something even greater for his kingdom. You have to have the faith to go, and you don't have to understand fully in order to obey immediately. In 1853, America hosted its first ever World's Fair in New York City. The organizers built this beautiful exhibition place called the Crystal Palace. There the latest and the greatest inventions were showcased and This is also where a man by the name of Elisha Otis pulled off one of the most remarkable stunts in sales in the history of the World's Fair. Otis was the inventor of the safety elevator brake. But he had a hard time selling the safety elevator brake and many were skeptics and so he wanted to do something special. And so here's what he did. He, there, were, there were actually pictures of this in a large room, much larger than this room, in a large auditorium space, built a huge platform like an, like an elevator, and he had it lowered from the ceiling, and he stood inside of it. And he got all the attention of thousands of people around him, and they turned, and and they watched, and he had a man with an ax on the side, and he said, when I tell you, cut the rope. And when he screamed out, cut the rope, the ax man hit the rope with an ax, and the whole platform and the elevator thing he was standing on collapsed only to be caught by his special elevator break. And suddenly all the people are gasping and, 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 and you know, ooing and eyeing over, over this. And they thought that it was going to crash, but when that break caught it, suddenly he cried out, all safe, ladies and gentlemen. All safe. When Elisha Otis pulled off this unforgettable pitch, there were only, hear this, a few buildings in New York City that were taller than five floors. And the reason was because no one wanted to climb the stairs and they didn't trust the elevators. But then in 1854... Elisha Otis installed an elevator in a building on Broadway, and the rest is history. By 1890, there were 10 buildings taller than 10 stories. By 1900, there were 65 buildings taller than 20 stories. And by 1908, there were 538 buildings in New York City that qualified as skyscrapers. More and more buildings go taller and taller because one man cried out, cut the rope. 
cut the rope and something else happened higher floors started producing higher revenues and it wasn't long enough until people realized hey I don't have to climb the stairs the elevator is safe Elijah Otis turned the world completely upside down and here's what I want you to see the skyscrapers could never go as high as they've gone as they wanted to go until somebody said cut the rope as long as there was a plan B and option B an alternative then you stay down here in the lowlands right but in that moment somebody cried out cut the rope and they completely eliminated any other option and said, no, we're going for it. That determination they had of how high can we go. Anytime you have an option B, church, you don't have to try as hard to make option A work. As long as you have in your mind that there's another plan, Another option, hey, if this Christian thing doesn't, if this doesn't work out, if this marriage doesn't work out, or if this following God stuff doesn't work out, it's okay. I've got a plan B. I promise you, but if that's your mindset, you won't make it long. But that rope, that rope that you're holding on to that's connected to that plan, that option is the very thing that's going to hold you down. Because you cannot go up as high as God wants you to take unless it is His way. Fear and anxiety and worry are invading the people's lives that are God's children right now. Fear is holding a lot. Would you stand with me right now? Fear is holding a lot of people back right now. And God is wanting to move. God is wanting to work. But we have an enemy that is wearing out the saints of the Most High as Daniel predicted he would do in the last days. He's trying to weaken your faith. He's trying to weaken your resolve. He's trying to weaken your determination. He's trying to convince you to quit. To stop trying, he wants you to give up. The devil ultimately wants you to settle for a plan B. But I want to make a declaration. Landmark Apostolic Church has no plan B. We only have a plan A, and that's to obey the voice of the Lord and move forward. Amen. And be the church that God called us to be. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.